Hey, everyone. Hey, guys. That was Pastor Dave saying, hey, guys. Sorry, we haven't we haven't posted in a while. That was Michael <laughs> J. Nelson saying, hey, everyone. You can see from the two variants how uh, I think that's a real insight into our souls. Very, <laughs> very much so. Yeah, it's been a while. This is uh, Like Trees Walking. Introduce yourself again. Tell them what the show is about. I'm the pastor. You can say hey guys again if you want. That hey guys, sorry we've been posting a while. Hey, hey Smash guys. that subscribe. Like, hit the button, hit yep. me up on the socials. Yep, totally. No, that's what I do my appeal. We can't step on my appeal. That's also a version of my appeal in the middle of the show. That's what I'm going to Are you going to do that this time? I'm going to pivot more. Why don't more you save that then? I'm going to pivot more towards the Could you also YouTuber. insert, like a lot of YouTubers do, like a, a quick, poignant story about which, if you don't watch them, you don't know, but it's like... As you know, like my mom's been staying with me, and that's been hard. So, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Someone just pointed me. You have seven hundred million subscribers. I know nothing about you. So here we are. Uh, I know too much about YouTubers because of my children. But here we yeah, are. Yeah, I don't know anything. So explain it. Well, they're just they are these just people who record themselves playing playing video games. Is a huge a huge. Uh, 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 I mean, it's just they develop these huge audiences and following. Are they, are they speed runs or? No, it's just kind of a lot of it's like screwing around or we're going to do this in Minecraft. That's a big one with my kids. Um, or like another guy's like real life Minecraft or pranks. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of a. And do they do commentary with it? Like what makes them, what's, what do they bring to the table? The commentary. Well, they're doing it. They're talking and commenting. Upon Give me it. an example of I what can't, they I, I can't. I can't. It's not good. It's just what you think. Like. It's it's just them talking while they're playing. I, I and they they're making obviously they could buy and sell us a thousand oh, times over. They are millionaires. Yeah, millionaires. Okay, but what we do here makes us <laughs> zero dollars. <laughs> Quite literally, neither you or I have made a penny off of this podcast. And and what did what do we do here? We uh we I'm Pastor Dave. You're Mike Nelson. Yes. This is the podcast where we talk about big questions of life, faith, theology. Uh, morality, philosophy, uh, we do so from a Christian perspective, uh, unabashedly, So, but invite uh, everyone to come and eavesdrop on what we hope is an intelligent, provocative, lighthearted, fun, winsome conversation. And we will occasionally tell you to mash the like button down below. We, we don't even have... Or I mean, if you go to our webpage, ltwpod.com, or liketreeswalkingpod.com, what is our URL? It's liketreeswalkingpod.com, but... That one, most people do LTW, not get it through that. Right? I think no, most people don't. But there is a like button there. Oh, there is. Yeah, you can like episodes. So people, some people do listen to it through there, and they like it. Someone has hit that like button. You, I think yes. I visited a couple years ago and was like, no one has ever hit no, a like pe- button. People have hit Mike. People have hit the like button. Okay. Well, no, it makes me feel better. Yep. So yeah, people have gone to that. I do think we also own ltwpod.com, and then that just redirects to like treeswalkingpod.com. But uh, that's neither here. Nor is it there. No. We also own thesnuggly.com, and we're making no money off that. No, we don't own that. Onlinehighschool.com. I knew a, a guy who was related to the guy who had bought onlinehighschool.com and was making, just he made like a bunch of money off of owning onlinehighschool.com. Oh, no. <laughs> well, anyway, we do, for today's show, since it's been a while, that's why we, we sound a little, I don't know, are we a little rambunctious? Could be. We haven't been together in the no. room for a while. Uh, but we have a big topic that Pastor introduced. It was part of his uh, last sermon, yeah. just a, a small part of that. But I, a, that's where I learned of it and looked looked it up right away. 
And uh, I, I didn't do, I, well, I think I read the New York Times article. We'll get mm-hmm. to that in a second. And then later on, uh, the pastor will be quizzed again because, you know, he, he doesn't have a hard enough life with his children and school and writing this and ministering this and pastoring people. He needs to be quizzed. He needs to be put on the spot. That's right. So we're going to do that, too. But why don't you, uh, yeah, introduce your, your big topic today, because this is, uh, I don't know, countrywide news, possibly world, well, worldwide. I think it's global other, news. Yeah, global news. Global so news. So go ahead. Absolutely. This is global news. It has to do, and it, it, it does parlay into a big, big topic. It's that, you know, the particular as an illustration of the general, I think. But this has to do with the story of the uh, f- a fall from grace within the pastoral ranks. Um, and this is the, the pastor who fell is uh, Carl Lentz. I believe it's pronounced Lentz. Lentz, yes. yeah. Famous for being the uh, he's the pastor was sorry, the pastor of Hillsong Church in the New York City uh, expression of it, and so Hillsong uh, kind of brief, very brief history. Hillsong is a church that was started in the seventies or eighties in Australia, so it's an Australian ca- kind of charismatic um, church. Very uh, most famous for uh, its music. And so it became yeah. in the in the especially in the two thousands is kind of when I became aware of it because they write and perform worship music and it's just been highly influential upon people who are into contemporary Christian music and and praise music and worship music that that church bands will play and they had this song called Oceans which is like an absolute I mean burned up the charts for contemporary Christian music you have to put your hands in the air I assume when that's going I would call the, it had like this this. Uh, is like the hook or like this part of the chorus, uh, you know, where you just sang that part over and over and over and over. Did it have that millennial, oh, 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 oh. do you know that thing? That the, like every song. I love that, it. Yeah. Okay. I love it. I'm a millennial, so I, I have to love that. Is it, I, I uh, was there something that preceded it music-wise in the 90s? Wasn't there a Canadian revival that was unrelated to Hillsong? But yeah. I feel like that was also like very... Uh, evangelical music related. We People will have are to, always there's, giving us CDs. There's and, been you know, like various, yeah. Like there's been uh, the name is escaping me now, but there's been a few like places that have been highly influential. Like even still is like there's Bethel music that's still a big one, and so there's all these, but these kind of churches or 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 um kind of string like network of churches maybe have kind of had their music that's one of the ways that you know their influence is spreading if like you're watching music. a giant screen at a mega church at the end of it you'll most likely see copyright hillsong <laughs> yeah the fine print and it'll say yes. hillsong for yeah. sure like okay. they are huge and they do tours and if you go i mean like a worship experience at hillsong i've never been but yeah i've seen the videos and it's like an it looks like a pretty amazing concert yeah. you know like yeah. i mean very moving very powerful you know so kind of the beginning of your service, and this is very typical of like what you would call praise and worship service for people who don't know. Like when you think of every church service has a structure, you know, you think of your kind of Catholic, Catholic service or Anglican service that has a lot of liturgy and sitting and standing and, you know, um, the, the choir and the hymns. But then you have, you know, big contemporary mega churches and praise and worship services where it's like a lot of singing at the beginning, prayer, and then a message right after that. That's kind of the structure and flow. Hillsong's one of those. And, and Hillsong is one of, I mean, it's a global movement. Started in Australia, but has kind of planted churches all over. And it's known not just for its music, but kind of its style. Like it's hi, kind of hipster, cripsters, as I call them, Christian hipsters. So like cripsterdom is very strong within the, uh, within the Hillsong world. And um, in this article, I found an interesting kind of 
they took this verse from, oh God, it's first or second Samuel, but like, you know, man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart, talking about David. And, you know, David is the runt of the family. He's, he's not even brought in when, you know, Jesse's lining up his sons to say which one is, you know, uh, which one is Samuel going to anoint as king. Uh, but it's like, no, 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 God chooses David. David's nothing to look at. He's little, he's a runt, but God looks at the heart. Well, Hillsong took that to go, yeah, yeah, God looks at the heart, but like, Man looks at the outside, so you better make sure that your outside is, is, is snazzy. And so that's part of this kind of Cripster aesthetic, is it's, it's, it's very appealing, it's, it's attractive, it's cool. And when you look at one Carl Lenz, the pastor, former pastor now, of Hillsong, Unite, or of Hillsong um, New York City, he's a very hip, good-looking dude. Like, he, he's, he was a, I guess he played college basketball, um, at least for a year or something at North Carolina State, so he has an athletic build. Um, he has big av- oversized aviator glasses, spectacles. Ma- who knows if they have corrective lenses in them or not. The plunging V-neck, the expensive-looking hipster haircut. Uh, like, the dude is kind of a fashion icon a little bit. And he's good-looking. He looks cool, you know? Like, like he looks like the cool guy or whatever. Well, cool enough for... Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber. Among, I mean, Justin Bieber's just at the top of the list, but looking down the list, it's quite incredible. Oh, he's the Biebs pastor. Kevin Durant would come there. So, yeah. He, Selena Gomez? Yeah. This guy's. I mean, a, this is royalty. He is a pastor to the celebrities and a celebrity pastor. Right, right. He, he kind of became both. And so uh, his fall from grace was captured even in TMZ. But so what happened? So Carl was this, you know, extremely. He became an icon, and and he's honestly not someone I ever knew from like, oh, I've heard him preach or heard him speak. I've probably never heard a message of his. There's some people who have become famous like in, in the contemporary church world for their sermonizing like young hipster millennial pastors, but that would be like someone like a Stephen Furtick, who some people have maybe heard of him. He's a very well-known, like he is, tries to, you know, he's fit and like trim and all these things, but he's known as a preacher and a communicator more than like a fashion icon whereas Lentz it seemed really like his his whole thing was like the package not the message in the package at all if that if that makes any sense oh yeah I mean I I will not get at all specific about this but when we went to a uh, for a short time went to a mega church in San Diego that a smaller version of this but same thing like all the leading Christian bands would come in and they would be the worship leaders for the week and then there was one pastor, and that guy was the church. I don't even think they had a board. Mm-hmm. And it took us a while to figure that out. But there was one where he did he did a video presentation that had me doing the turning to my wife, going like, like oh, you come on now. Like multiple camera shoots, like, oh, hey, I didn't see you there. Come on into my office. And he's like wearing this hipster clothes and stuff. I'm like, I don't know that this is good. I don't feel safe at this church. But... This is like that times a million, mm-hmm. like literally many continents and, you know, the Hillsong. So people know who he is. And, Car- you know, Carl became very, very famous for being Justin Bieber's uh, pastor. Great Canadian Justin Bieber's uh, pastor. One of our finest Canadians. Truly one of our finest Canadians. Ever since we lost John Candy, he's been our best Canadian. <laughs> and so... You know, we lost Alanis Morissette, too. <laughs> To not being famous. Okay. <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'm like, oh my sorry, God, sorry, news sorry, is sorry. breaking. <laughs> I didn't mean to make anybody oh, drive off the oh, road. Jesus. No, she's fine. Everything's she's, fine. She's alive. She's fine, yes. But so anyway, so so uh, he's the Beebs pastor. He's he's famous. He's an icon. 
uh, fashion icon, the Cripster, the Cripster vibe. And then he falls from grace. He has a very recently, a, a very public fall from grace. He resigns from his church and he says, you know, I was unfaithful and, uh, and, 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 you know, kind of leaves, um, you know, leaves this scandal in his wake. And the question then is what happened? Okay. How, what, what happened to Carl Lentz? Is that illustrative of anything? Is it teach us anything? I mean, in one sense you could say he just joins one in a long line of, you know, famous, prominent, uh, uh, you know, Christian religious figures, uh, from that kind of world, uh, that, that, that have fallen. So, you know, we look back to the eighties and the nineties and, and, and all those kind of famous televangelists from that era, there's a lot of falls from grace, but this is kind of the 2.0 or maybe even 3.0 version of that. Does what makes this different? I think this is different in a lot of ways. I, I think that th- their uh, their scandals were kind of 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 their own thing. These to me seem much more at home, even though it's on a massive scale of a more run of the mill church scandal and church fall from grace. Actually, there's more relatable to it to to to. Um, to a lot of churches and a lot of ministries, then the televangelists were kind of slick willy figures. Uh, yeah, well, they were always a figure of ridicule for anyone outside of the thing. But is that true? I guess that's not as true because he so. was appealing to people who didn't even, as I read in the New York Times, and I'm just relying on them, they said, like, I just go to church because he's cute or whatever. You know, there was quotes <laughs> from people, which I don't think was true, whatever you say of the... <laughs> Of, no, uh, of like all the you know, like was Jimmy Swagger, Jimmy Swagger. No, stuff. it's not that they were cute. Or Jim or Baker. That, no, yes. So no. I guess it's a little bit different. They're appealing to a a much broader swath of pop culture, and then um, so their, their their fall didn't see. I don't know. Is that the difference? What do you? What do you? I mean, I think that's one of. Is there something extremely? Uh, appealing about Carl Lentz. I mean, he, he is like eye candy. He's good looking. But the whole Hillsong experience, too, like that, you know, the televangelist was narrow, was narrow casting, you know. I mean, they had a going all over the country, but they were getting a very narrow slice of the audience. And most people looked at them and said, like, this is garish or ugly or silly or stupid or absurd. Even if you rolled your eyes at Carl Lentz, you had to admit the guy looked cool. And the things that were happening at his church, like if you attended a worship service there, I'm sure you go, well, that was really well done. You know, it was slickly produced. It sounded good. There was something super uh, that had a mass, certainly a mass appeal about that, uh, about that church, and, and so that makes it different. But what the story reveals about his fall, which I think is relatable, is it? It, te- it seems to me that it came from uh, a, this place of where Carl was. Was he had kind of been lifted up on this pedestal or this platform, such that he had been kind of isolated from from people around him. And so you read this story and you go, Here, here's a guy who was um, not so much pastoring as just standing up in front of people as like a, a kind of just a, just a, a mouthpiece or something like that. He, he became a, a, a celebrity within his com- own community in, the, in such that there was no accessibility to him from normal people he's, within he's the congregation. Rather than a... He was what, a brand, not a pastor. That happened with our as this guy that we and again I'm you know San Diego, so there's a lot of churches, so I can't get more specific. But he, I saw him in public a number of times, and he like physically moved away from me <laughs> and made sure that handlers got in between us, and that was my first experience. So like this is not a good sign. Mm-mm. But reading the the New York Times article, it sounds like that was the whole deal. Oh yeah, and uh, th- I mean, this to me seems to be a pattern. This is not someone who's fallen on, and but like my uh, mother-in-law attended a church, very prominent 
local Twin City. You know, Twin Cities, we punch above our weight in terms of prominent pastors, at least nationally, yeah. or people who've built a bit of a profile. But she attended this church. It's a mega church, but not like – it's on the reasonable scale, you know, a couple yeah. thousand people or something like that. You know, it's not one of these, you know, massive megalopolises. And, and she once had been going, you know, she had been going to this place for probably 20 years. And she tried to, like, set up an appointment just saying, like, I've been going here for 20 years. Like, I would like to speak to my pastor just to have this person know who I am. And it was like, eh, like, Whoa. <laughs> oh, she got shot down. The secretary was like, <laughs> and that was part of their jo- her job, I think, the, 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 the administrator. Would be like, no, like, we protect, like, we protect our pastor from the people. Oh. This is not good. That's a red flag. To me. That is a red flag to me. And so I think that we see that when, when, in, but this can happen on a, on, in small context too, where the pastor becomes isolated from the people. Like that there isn't this sense that you are shepherding a flock so much as like a, a, a brand or a mouthpiece or something like that, or a person set apart such that you become isolated from the community. That, that to me seems like a danger in a lot of contexts. Like right now, you have those two guys with sunglasses standing behind you who, they're obviously armed and they're looking at me. It's very off-putting. <laughs> Listen, Nelson, you're lucky I'm in the same room as you. No, it, it, it is. That is not, I mean, isn't the word pastor? I don't know the, what, what is the, the is it's, it it's Latin? The, the derivation whatever? is just from a, a shepherd. I mean, literally shepherding. Shepherd. <laughs> the shepherd, you can't, you cannot shepherd like. Yeah. like I, don't, I don't want to, the sheep, you got to keep them on the other side of the, <laughs> I don't want them anywhere near exactly. me. Exactly. Get the heck away from me. So there's this, uh, there's this, el- uh, you know, there's this elevation that leads to uh, an isolation um, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a disconnection from your flock. I think another thing too that I see in this story, uh, well, there's a couple things. There's more than that, but uh, but a couple things I see. So one is this, you know, kind of alienation, isolation, which also means that there's this sense of there's a sense of entitlement, which I'll get into more a little bit later, but also this sense of like the church exists to kind of serve you or serve like this special class of people in there. So it's kind of like the perks of the job or something like that. You read in the story, there's this one paragraph where it talks about a Christmas party, like there was a staff Christmas party and they would get volunteers to come in. Well, they got, there was staff meals every Saturday and they'd have volunteers come in and do the dishes for them. That's like clean up after them. That's insane to me. That is so non-church for those that, I mean, that is, nobody who goes to church beyond that church has any experience with that at all. <laughs> I mean, like, that's crazy. And I mean, you know, it, that counterexample, like, people should serve alongside together. I remember doing, in my early days of church planting, I remember doing a after-church brunch once, and this does not involve any of the people who currently go to the church, so none of you should feel indicted by this. But I remember, like, we may have had a brunch after church, and, like, then I, like, did the dishes by myself while everyone just sat there watching. And I and then afterwards, I was like, that is, was wow. wrong. Like, I didn't mind doing dishes, but, like, could a couple of people have come over and helped, please? You know? Where it's yeah. like, it's like, you don't, you sometimes see the opposite of that. You sometimes see communities treat their pastor like garbage. Well, this is not the example with Carl Lentz. But, you know, he and this Christmas party where they had... You know, a staff Christmas party or something at somewhere in Williamsburg. I'm sure some cool haunt in Williamsburg in a private room, and then there was someone there to be a driver for everyone, and they didn't let this person join the party. That's the one that like just blew me away. The fact that they had this volunteer show up to drive people, but wouldn't allow them to participate in the party. Like it, it really seemed like using you were just using other people that is, that is the uh equivalent of pushing the limousine glass up when the driver is like hey where are you guys co- where are you coming in from like Bzzz. 
I'm not talking to you. <laughs> so I think there's a, that sense of entitlement, like that the, the church exists to serve you rather rather you than the church. And I think there's a sense of entitlement that comes. And I think a lot of, um, and this happens on every scale. And I think this happens in a lot of um, uh, a, a lot of small churches, big churches, doesn't matter. But there's a sense of entitlement. Like, do you know how much I've given? You know, don't people appreciate? Like, so Carl's thinking, I've been really successful. You know, I'm I'm out here with Justin Bieber, so I'm. You know, people see that it's turning people on to Christ. Uh, like this church we built in New York is successful. Like it, you know, it's standing room only. People are fighting to get inside, and it's like all I get is criticism. People don't like, and here I am a- alone, and people don't know me or appreciate me. And so you kind of get this sense of like, I'm owed something, and I think that's why people. I think a lot of pastors they feel isolated and they feel entitled, and so then they go out seeking kind of gratification. Um, in ways that are not healthy, like him stepping outside of his marriage and his, you know, his relationship. With or his or just, just wearing low scoop neck t-shirts is not healthy either. <laughs> but that's a different intervention that we'll have with. Uh, let me shoot you the, the model. This is from the article again. So I, I, don't, I didn't go to the website. So correct me if this is wrong, if the New York Times got it wrong. Hillsong's model is what is known as seeker-sensitive, a consumer-oriented approach that aims to attract people wary or uh, unfamiliar with traditional church. Instead of old hymns and dry sermons, right, Dave? Yep. (laughs) On Sunday morning, Hillsong and the church is like it offer a slick concert punctuated by a message that often sounds more like a self-help seminar. Mr. Houston's rules, this is, I think, the uh, the leader, rules for leaders in Australia instruct that a Hillsong sermon, quote, so this is the the Mr. Houston quote, leaves people feeling better about themselves than they came, unquote. Is that, uh, comment on that as as a mission statement for a church, leave people feeling better about themselves? Uh, I I have something to say about it, but you, as a pastor, probably have more to say about it. Well, I suppose you know. I mean, here is the here is the rub, and and uh, I I do think this is good reporting. I think Ruth Graham, the particular reporter, uh, she's been good. I've she was at Slate before, um, and she was one of the few good writers I think that was left at Slate. They've seen a drain of talent over the years. I used to thoroughly enjoy Slate. I do not enjoy it as much anymore. And Ruth Graham left, and she was one of the last ones that I liked reading there over, over time. So her work on her coverage of religion has generally been good over the years. Um, so I, I trust what she captured. Now I'll say that as a preacher, I do want to share the God, the gospel is good news, you know? So every week I am proclaiming the gospel. I am proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ that he, you know, that, that he has taken uh, your sins upon himself and they have died together with him. And because he rose, uh, you're forgiven, you're set free from the power of that sin. And, and, and you can have new resurrection life, you know, starting now that like that, that every week, um, we're pointing people to Jesus and we're sharing good news uh, with them, you know? And, And so in that sense, but is, is good news the same, sharing good news the same as people leave feeling better? Yeah, and I'm, look, I'm stirring in her own, which is a little editorial uh, thing that sounds more like a self-help seminar. Mm-hmm. That is her words, not the words of the guy, just to be clear. So this could be in the, in the context of what he says, leaves people feeling better about themselves when they came. 
Probably not, though, a primary goal, because sometimes won't the gospel leave you feeling yeah, convicted? Feel bad. Because you go, you know, I am in a, you know, I have, we like sheep have gone away. You know, yeah, that the gospel can convict you, can cut you to the core. Yeah. Make you feel bad about yourself, the way that you've been living or treating people or, you know, what you've been thinking and doing. Yeah, the, no, the gospel convicts, certainly it cuts uh, as well as heals. Um, and, and so, yeah, if you, uh, you know, seeker sensitive is is obviously, it's not something that's new. It was really pioneered by uh, the church I'm aware of it, you know, kind of most coming out of is Willow Creek, which is in suburban Chicagoland. And this guy, Bill Hybels, uh, who, who if not pioneered, like perfected this model, the seeker-sensitive model, that the Sunday service was supposed to be something that you could bring a non-Christian to that would appeal to them, you know? And so you can see a evangelistic purpose behind that, right? That you, you know, if someone is who's not associated with church dares to come in, there's already a lot of barriers. What can you do to connect with them? You know, there's a sense of, I want to remove barriers and stumbling blocks. So all the sort of churchy stuff, we will minimize for the sake of like hitting, you know, reaching this person and winning them to the faith, right? That's the the thinking behind it. And then actually at Willow Creek, their Wednesday nights was like their real, you know, that was like the real church church that they would do. So sort of like seeker sent, you know, you could say there's a lot of criticism you could make of that. It's a bait and switch or something like that. You know, you could say that that's false advertising or it's dishonest or you're watering it down. And eventually people, you know, what you win people with, you win them too. That's one of the also criticisms, which which I think has some validity to it. You know, more than a little bit of validity to it. If you win people to a nothing Christianity, well, then what do you get? You get nothing Christians, uh, I think, at the end of the day. Now, what the Willow example or the Seeker example also says is that you should be trying to connect with people where they are in some way. So don't assume everyone agrees with you. Don't assume everyone speaks your same language. Don't assume, you know, expect non-Christians at your service. Don't lead with sinners in the hand of an angry God every Sunday. Not every Sunday. Not every Sunday. You're a spider being dangled above. <laughs> but, you know, Jonathan Edwards knew his congregation. Yeah, look, it was super popular. Northampton, you know, and there was, I mean, there was something, there was a lurid, uh, there was a luridness to some of that revival preaching, you know, that people kind of, it was, I think, somewhat entertaining for... Oh, it must have been. It <laughs> I mean, must have been, yeah. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, yeah, people like horror movies, so, you know, like, there, there was a lurid fascination with hell and damnation back then, which we do not share today, apparently. Uh, but, 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 but all that to say, um, all that to say, like, yeah, I think that Lentz's job was, you know, and maybe where he was set up to fail a little bit is, like, he was supposed to be a kind of a totemic figure, uh, a lifestyle brand. Um, and so, like, that ultimately, in some ways, set him up to fail and leave him feeling empty. Um, because if you always have to be, you know, cool, if you always have to be attractive, appealing, uh, looking good to people, it's like, well, at the end of the day, what substance is there to that? You know, you, that would leave you feeling empty and unfulfilled if you felt like that was part of your, kind of part of your core pastoral identity, I think. What do you think happens now? One of the things that obviously always the tragedy in these things is like a leader, especially one who commands so much, uh, you know, adulation and whatever. Like, does it leave people feeling like, oh, well, there it is. Like, I'm done with religion. Because if you're reaching only people who are sort of seeker and then they were the center and focus of your faith in some way, 
um, you know, no matter how much they pointed to Jesus, at a certain point you got to go like, well, look, I tried it. I went to 10 of his sermons. I was super impressed. Then he turned out to be this dude. I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm done with the whole thing. Like, how does that begin to heal? What does the church do now? The, the church being the specifically the, Hill, the Hillsong, no, the Hillsong church. Oh, church. Like, how do they deal with it? It, it? Let alone, you know, anyone who's trying to, you know, evangelize someone near to them who's going like, yeah, I just saw that giant story about Hillsong. Turns out you <laughs> people are real <laughs> class acts. Like, how do we all deal with it? But specifically, how does... Hillsong come back from it, and uh, you know I know you're, you've never led a I've never led a multi continent mega church, but you you have insights. I do have insights. I mean, as a follower of uh, you know uh, global Christianity, Western Christianity, you know I I know I know more than nothing. So there we go. You know I think that a church like Hillsong, what they have to do is, um, I mean I think being get, getting to the truth. So what happened? You know, tr- truly understanding what happened to, you know, Carl Lentz, that, that this, that, you know, this wasn't an accident, this wasn't a one-off, you know, it seems like this was a pattern behavior. You read in the article even, that there was a sense that he was like a celebrity who was kind of more present maybe in the tabloids than he was actually at his church. Wasn't he running around at like a Super Bowl party yes, or something like yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, this <laughs> is wild. Like, uh, again, this is secondhand stuff, So, but it still sounded like this is just, you shouldn't be in this position. You shouldn't be here at all. So there was just a lack of like accountability for this person doing their job in the like in the sense of being present and preaching basically most every week or, or you know, like it seemed like he wasn't there. So there was a real lack of accountability from a board or anything like that. So I think you'd have to look at how are you just I mean, <laughs> most organizations operate on good faith, you know, like no. Uh, but if I stop showing up. Then the structure activates itself yeah, to do something about it. There's people. There's a board. Yes. Yeah. Like, and so his board just was out to lunch, as far as I can tell, um, in terms of having a real sense, a, a real connection to his relationship to his job and the church. They seemed out to lunch. So you have to look at what structures were in place that allowed this, lack of structures that were in place that allowed this, what's the truth about the relationships that he had, um, and how he maybe abused his pastoral office to, 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 to get away with this. So I think if people have a sense that you, you need to be relentless in pursuing and then telling the truth in order to rebuild trust, and you also need to say, this is what we're doing to ensure to the best of our ability that something like this doesn't happen again. And then you rebuilding trust and credibility takes a long time. Building trust is hard. Losing trust, you know, is easy. It's like the, you know, analogy of tearing something down demolition day on a project. It's a day. They call it demo day. They don't call it build day, you know? And so, yeah, when you tear something down, what, what, what takes years to build up, you can tear down in an instant. And that's always the tragedy. That's always the tragedy to me because it's going to take years and years and years for them to build. And you could ask, should we even be building this? I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess that goes to the deeper question, like you said, about the seeker-sensitive churches. I would think in any church worth its salt, there would be people ready at the drop of a hat to go like, oh, okay, this leader dropped out. Very unfortunate, sad, tragic. We will work on their rehabilitation or not, or mm-hmm. they'll be out, 
However, in the interim, here's how it all works. Like we're all mature Christians, even if not not the full congregation. Right, right. The, the the people who are vested with this power would then say, "Okay, look, this is you know these things happen, these failings, and it's unfortunate that it's at such a high level." But um, here we go. What what are we here for? Are we here for the guy with the scoop neck shirt, or are we here for Christ? And so it should. Not not be easy, but it should be like those things should click into place and go. Here's what we do. It's going to be tough, but um, but yeah, we're since we're not here for that guy, it's not the biggest thing in the world, right? As tragic as it is, right? Well, that's a, it's a test, I guess, and so it's revelatory in that sense. In in terms of is there a a culture in place in terms of the membership of that congregation to handle this and to deal with this, and it will. It will show, were they dedicated to the guy, or how yeah. much of that church was just dedicated to the guy and the fad and the fashion and the hip now with it, and why, wow, and how much was it, hey, this is a, you know, a real church community that can withstand um, something bad happening to it, a challenge happening to it, so. Well, I hope they can. I don't know. Any final thoughts? No, I mean, I, th- I you know, so in some in summation, I think we've seen that that, that Lentz's story is is a it's a warning to us all about um, becoming isolated from you know within for leaders uh, especially from becoming isolated from our people, from having a kind of extractive or using you know using our job to gratify ourselves or our vocation to gratify ourselves versus serving alongside of our people. And I think just always guarding against that sense of entitlement that can come, that can be used, you know, that uh, the devil will always use as an excuse to get in your mind about why you deserve something and why you sort of have special rules for yourself, why you should be able to get away with X, Y, and Z, which you can use to justify yourself. I mean, you know, the story, he knew what he was doing was wrong and bad. Like he had the woman who he, one of the women, uh, but the woman who I saw went on like Good Morning America or something like that and kind of did a she did a little tell-all or whatever about her relationship with him, and he wouldn't use his last name with her. Um, you know, he's like, I'm Carl. <laughs> this is kind of a weird thing. Oh, man. And, you know, he told her, like, he had a family and, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, he said, I I, I manage celebrities or something. That was his, like, lie or, or whatever. But it's like, man, you think about what I would want to know is just how you knew what you were doing was wrong. And so, but why did you why Why did you do it? You know, I think that's a, what was it about you that said, I know this is wrong. This is not befitting of a minister of the gospel. This will bring um, shame upon my family, myself, and my ministry. But you went ahead with it anyways. And so I'd want to know from him, like, what what made you just go ahead and do it? I do so much good, man. <laughs> I do, like you said, and, and Justin so, <laughs> Bieber. That's all I have to say. I brought him to the And so the I think church. it's, I think it's, I think it's shockingly easy to justify things to yourself where you go like objectively an outsider goes, that's not worth it at all. And you know, that's wrong. But when you're in that moment and you're, it's meeting some deep felt need um, um, in there. And so it is, I think an importance too, about also for pastors, really um, for churches, making sure that uh, caring about your pastor, care about Carl, not just that like, care about your pastor, care about Carl, not just as the what they do for you, but as the person that they are and the family that they have. Like, if you truly care about them, then that's going to help, um, 
help them feel like they're not alone or they have to take care of themselves or no one cares about them or build up a false idol they have of themselves. And so I guess church is making sure that there's a culture of caring for the pastor and their family there, which is going to be part of holding them accountable too, and it's going to be the healthiest place for them to be in too, um, I guess would be a final word as well. All right, and my final word is no... Uh Deeply scooped T-shirts, but <laughs> the all right. V-necks, you can't it's, oh, be. That's not a good thing. No, you cannot be. And he, he's like kind of. He worked out a lot. I mean, you can tell, like you know, take care of yourself. But there was something about it, yeah, you know, that just uh, didn't look right, man. I don't know. There's yeah. something about like, and yeah, take care of yourself, work out. But there's something about, and I've seen it amongst contemporary uh, pastor pastors and kind of the conservative mega church world. They work out a lot now, and like they want to show off their bi. It's just something. Like, why are you showing off your guns, man? Like, okay, you work mm. out. That's good. But, like, you see dudes, like, rolling up their shirt sleeves. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It, it's not. It's, it's not like a, a midlife crisis. It vibes very midlife crisis-y to me. You know? Yeah. Put on the big uh, Southern California pastor shirt that kind of drapes over it, you. Rick Warren. Just, Rick just, Warren just, just never. Rick Warren it up, and you're good to go. Rick Warren was never trying to be hot. <laughs> that's okay? Right. Like, there's nothing hot about Rick Warren. All right, we'll take a little break, and then we'll come back and we'll uh, quiz the pastor. Uh, This is Like Trees Walking. See you in one second. Hey, guys. Pastor Dave here. Smash that subscribe button. Uh, You can actually smash that subscribe in uh, Spotify or iTunes or, or, sorry, Apple Podcasts. Wherever fine podcasts are found. Uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has uh, stuck with us over all these years. Mike and I have been doing this since actually 2016. We have been potting. It's crazy to think how long it's been. We're coming to the end of uh, another season, our fifth season here. Uh, and and we're, we're still trucking. We're keeping on trucking along. And so it feels good to do that. It feels good uh, to, to, to get comments from folks who maybe just discovered the podcast. Some of you find out, wow, this exists. And you binge watch the whole catalog. Thank you for doing that. Watch, listen to the whole catalog. And I just want to say thank you if you've left a comment. Uh, that is much appreciated. It's it's an encouraging word for us. We do this for free. We do it. We would do it uh, even if all we got was one star reviews. And I hate you comments. <laughs> I probably stopped paying attention to them. But it's always nice to hear how someone discovered this and what they think of it. And so I just want to say thank you for doing that. Uh, we are on the socials uh, at LTWPod on Twitter. Um, uh, like Trees Walking podcast on on Facebook. We do have a place there and uh, just thanks for thanks for listening and and being a part of uh, the reason why we do this show so share it with other people if you find it useful and uh and uh, thank you guys let's get back to it okay we are back we being uh, pastor Dave, who you just heard from and michael j nelson to reset as they say in the industry this is like trees walking uh, Pastor David Berge is about to get a quiz that I found online. And uh, are you ready for this? This is... I, don't, I have no idea. I have no context. we're talking about a famous religious leader was our main topic. Okay. And so what I do is I select a quiz that is tangentially involved with the same <laughs> thing. And so this is, can you match each famous Christian religious leader to their bio? Ooh. Which is uh, grammar, I won't correct the grammar there, famous Christian, Christian leader to their bio, but here we go. Play quiz. Ready? You have uh, seven minutes, I guess, to do this, oh, but we, it won't take that long. American evangelical Southern Baptist pastor, televangelist, and a conservative political commentator, he was the founding pastor of the Thomas Road Baptist Church. Easy. 
Okay, who do you got? Jerry Fowell Sr. Jerry Fowell Sr. Okay, now, how do I move on from there? Because you pressed it. Okay, and next. Okay, there we go. A retired Anglican bishop who rose to worldwide fame during the 1980s is an opponent of apartheid. He received the Nobel Peace Prize in Uh, 1984. Um, Ding, ding, ding. Yes, go ahead. The Archbishop Desmond Desmond Tutu. Tutu. All right. A British Methodist preacher who founded the Salvation Army and became its first general. Uh, William Booth? Is that an option? William Booth is an option. Let's go. A French Jesuit missionary who founded Michigan's first European settlement, Saint-Marie. Saint-Marie. And later founded Saint... Saint Ignace? Ignace? I don't know how to say that. Sorry. Along with Louis Joliet, he was the first European to explore the ma- and map the northern portion of the Mississippi River. All right. Do we? Do I have multiple choices? You'd for this have one? many. Okay. Uh, yes. I'm going to eliminate the ones that you won't need. Uh, Jacques Marquette, uh, John Knox, Joseph Smith, Kirk Cameron. <laughs> uh, let's just say how about it you? is Jacques how about Marquette. Marquette? <laughs> French theologian and pastor during the Protestant Reformation, originally trained as a humanist lawyer, he broke the Roman Catholic Church around... He broke from the Roman yeah. Catholic He broke it. Well, he did break it. 1530 and fled to Geneva, where he so, published... This sounds like... Seminal work. John Calvin. Institutes John of Calvin Christian or religion. Jean Calvin, as they say in French. Jean Calvin. Born in a self-proclaimed Noyon. Messiah, he was the founder of the Unification Church and mm. its widely noted blessing or mass wedding uh, ceremony. Is this the Reverend Sun Young Moon? Sun Young Moon, okay. Mike, I, I knew someone who was married in a mass wedding, Unification Church mass no wedding. No way. Yep, and she eventually, that marriage did not work. Produced, wow. a, one, produced a wonderful child, though. From Sun Young Moon? Uh, not from, no, no. Not from she, the, no. no. She was part of an arranged Please, words on the timer. Okay, American sorry. Methodist, Pentecostal, televangelist, and a Christian charismatic. He founded a university in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He once claimed to a television audience that unless he raised $8 million by that March, God would call him home. Bob Jones. Bob Jones. Looking for Bob Jones. Bob, are you there? Mr. Jones. Is he there? He is not there. Oh, boy. All right. Do you want choices? I want choices because I thought, I thought Oklahoma, Tulsa, Bob Jones. Billy Graham, Charles Coughlin, Edward Flanagan, Gregor Mendel, Jim Baker, Joel Olstein, John Harvard, John Jim, Knox. Jim Baker. Let's go Jim Baker. Jim Baker. All right. Ooh, you got that wrong. Dang. American pastor, activist, humanitarian, and leader in the African-American civil rights movement. He's best known for his role in the advancement of civil rights using nonviolent civil disobedience. This, this sounds like Martin Luther King Jr. Is right. A German-speaking Silesian scientist, ah. an Augustinian friar who gained posthumous fame as the founder of the modern science of genetics. Gregor Mendel? Yes, Mendel. I read his name already. Okay. In the 1930s, he had one of the most popular radio programs, was eventually silenced. I know this guy. Is After this, hinting at attacks on Jewish bankers. Is this Father Coughlin? I believe this is Father Coughlin. Uh, spiritual advisor to several presidents. The time is ticking away. He was particularly close to Dwight Eisenhower, Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, even before civil rights movements. Billy Graham, Billy Graham, Billy Graham, Billy Graham. Graham. All right, we're going. American preacher, televangelist, author, and senior pastor of Lakewood Church, the largest oh, Protestant Joel Osteen, church. Joel Osteen, Joel Osteen, Joel Osteen. is correct. Uh, former Assemblies of God minister and a former host with his then-wife, Tammy Faye of the <laughs> Jim, Baker, Cup, Jim Baker. Jim Baker. Jim, you know his kid lives in here Jay, in the city? Roman, Jay Baker? Roman Catholic priest okay. founded... We can't have time. Uh, founded a nonprofit organization dedicated to caring of children and families with national headquarters in the village of Boys Town, Nebraska. 
Uh, do you need choices? Yeah, I do. Edward J. Flanagan, John Knox, Joseph Smith, Justin uh, Flanagan, Welby, Flanagan, Kirk, okay, Flanagan, Flanagan, Flanagan. Scottish clergyman and writer who was a leader of the Protestant Reformation considered the John Knox, John Knox, John Knox. Knox, Knox, for a point. Okay. The 105th Archbishop of Canterbury, his enthronement took place in Canterbury Cathedral on 21 March 2013. Uh, Rowan Williams or Justin Welby? Uh, Justin Welby is a choice. Justin Welby, Justin Welby. An Englishman, we only have four remaining, we have two minutes. An English minister in America, maybe we can calm down, <sighs> whose deathbed bequest to the, to Come the, on. this is how it reads exactly. I'm going to read it as it exactly says. An English minister in America, whose deathbed bequest to the establish a college at Cambridge in the Massachusetts Bay Colony was so gratefully received that the school was named for him. Harvard. John Harvard. Bill Harvard. Child actor, played Mike Seaver on the television, (laughs) situation comedy, Growing Pains. Currently an active evangelical, you can ring in. I'm not, I'm going to let you read the whole thing. Uh, Active evangelical Christian, partnering with Ray Comfort in the evangelical ministry, The Way of the Master. I like Ray Comfort, right? Uh, he's not bad. I don't. I have not familiar with. Ray and he was, He work. co-founded the Firefly Foundation with his wife, actress Chelsea Noble. Well, this is none other than the great Kurt Cameron. Is correct. We have two more questions. Oh, American media mogul, executive chairman, seven hundred club hosts, and a Pat former, Robertson. Pat Robertson is correct. One more American religious leader and founder of Mormonism, Joseph Smith. All right, there you go. I uh, accidentally skipped one, which you would have got right, because it was Oral Roberts. So when I hit next, it just went over the ah, question. Okay. It didn't show me the question. Okay. So you scored 95%, but you probably would have got them all, I think. Well, I missed the one, remember? You said Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh. Was that the one I missed? Yeah. Why did that ring that up as a win for you? But the average score is 68, so no matter what, you crushed it. I, I thought I Let's call it you got 90%. How would, how would you have done, do you think? 100%? I think I would have done the same as you. I don't okay. think I had any... Uh, there were no trouble spots for me. But uh, So there you go. Uh, did all of them have a fall from grace? No. No. Very few of them did. Kirk Cameron's no fall from grace. No, certainly. As long as we've got each other. I don't know that show We at all. got the world's invited in our hands. Was that one of yours growing up? Uh, you Was know, that My Three Dads, or what, no, what is that uh, one? We've got each other <laughs> such sharing things? the lap. My Three Dads, I believe, is like three <laughs> men and a baby. But uh, okay. Yeah, if you may, turned I it into a sitcom. I might be confusing a lot of things. <laughs> My two, no, my three sons. My three sons, my two dads. No, there's no my two dads. That's Jimmy just has two mommies. I, I'm no, getting them all not, confused. Not, no. Okay. Um, I have two dads. My earthly father, my heavenly father. Oh, my God. Father. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> With that, we end this. This is, this is Like Trees Walking. Good to be back. This is Michael J. Nelson. David Paul Berge. Thanks for listening. So long, everyone. Bye. <laughs>